Blog Talk Radio. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. And I am the light within your soul In the essence of truth and right Love makes a circle whole And here we stand in line Waiting for some sacred sign But to find the balance is the purpose of this time to restore the balance of the universal mind And in the presence of my Lord of light and love Everything I see aspiring to be free And when I call to thee And come on bending knee Surrender to the all-pervading light and love Reflections of the one surrounding me with love And I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Within and without, above and below, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. Without and within, below and above, yeah, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. I sense your presence. Of 
Able to find the balance is the purpose of this time To restore the balance of the universal mind And I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence
you can check out those shows as well in the archive. And usually those have been done at the turning points of the year. Stephen Halpern was one of my earlier musical uh, guests on the show, Peter Cotter, so lots of great, great people along the way. And what I do here is delve into a variety of different topics, tools, resources, and thoughts that allow for personal exploration, universal insights, and expanding your perception of how life and the world works. So that covers pretty much anything and everything, I would say. <laughs> it's, um, you know, been broad. We cover all kinds of things on this show, from healing things to being more aware about things, and it's very cool. I am a coding interpreter, and what I do is interpret a person's life codes to allow them to live a life filled with compassion. And look at their individual blueprint. It's kind of like a blueprint in a way in this incarnation and how their energy flows and vibrates in the world. I've also created the Genesis Statement, and that's available to experience. Um, you can listen to where other people interviewed me a while back, uh, and we would run it on the show. That's also available if you sign up for my newsletter. You can get that or go onto my website. You can find out more about that. And um, that's all under my media tab, by the way, under radio shows on my website. And I've also authored four books, You Made Life Dreams and Its Companion Workbook, as well as my first two books, Activating Compassion and Its Companion Workbook. And then I'm a collaborator on a fifth book called Embraced by the Divine, the Emerging Women's Gateway to Power, Passion, and Purpose. I've created the True North Tour, which is a multi-state nationwide tour, including workshops, retreats, signings, seminars, book signings, various events along the way. I know I've been laying low. I've been trying to get some things in order. I've had a lot of just downpouring of information recently and just things being downloaded into my head. <laughs> I, my angels, sometimes they get very excited, I think, or my guardians, they get very excited and they just go, Ooh, let's just see how much we can fill our head with. <laughs> and it's opening some amazing journeys that I hope you'll stay with me even beyond this show to explore in the coding world that are going to go way back. I'm actually doing some research right now on things that happened 600,000 years ago and beyond that and even into the billions of years ago So um, that are parts of where our codes lie. And so it's a very exciting thing to be delving into right now among everything else that I'm doing. And you can check out all of my work, by the way, through my website, The Happenings, What's Going On, through CompassionCodes.com. Now, I do greatly appreciate everybody who's been sharing my shows here and those that continue to share them because when you do, you're literally changing lives. And I say that because I have literally had people that came to me and said, you know, if it wasn't for your show, I wouldn't be here today. And you never know. When you click that share button, you never know who is going to be interested in the topic, who needs to hear what we're saying in a show. So just share it, and then you might change a life. You might save a life. Who knows? And they can access it right through the very same link you accessed it to get into our live show today, listen to it at their convenience. In addition, they can also catch it as a podcast at iTunes, tunein.com, or on my YouTube channel. So there are a lot of options depending on what they feel comfortable listening to. Now, um, it does usually take me a couple of days uh, to get the shows up uh, each week, so bear with me. If it doesn't go up right away, um, it usually will get up fairly quickly. So um, that's that part of it. <laughs> that's all the base stuff right there. 
Before we get started on everything today, though, those that have listened into my show know that I love to delve into a book called The 72 Names of God by Yehuda Berg. And I love Yehuda's work because he takes the big concepts, he puts them into everyday language, and he makes them in a way that we can maybe relate a little bit better. We can see how it applies to our own life. So he's taken and he's broken things into, for example, common names of God um, in addition to the formal names. And the common name that we're dealing with this week is letting go. And each week I just really flip the pages and it ends up where it ends up. (laughs) But letting go is the name of God we're dealing with this week. And his message on this is, it's often hard to let go of yesterday. We became prisoners, we become prisoners to our past. We can't move forward, we can't get beyond past regrets and earlier traumas. Here, we receive the courage to let it go. Ready? Jump. Now, the insight he goes on to provide with this is, our nature is to hang on to our pain and suffering. Our first inclination when happiness or the hope of miracles stands before us is to say, it's too good to be true. This kind of consciousness is what presents miracles and a joy-filled future from materializing in our lives. We cannot have a fulfilling and miraculous future if we're hanging on to an unhappy and cynical past. Nothing more needs be said. And the meditation that he gives, it's really simple on this. I love it. The meditation he gives this week is you let go of everything, period. Just that simple. You just let go. And I think keeping in mind that it's always our choice whether we're going to hold on to something, harbor on something, dwell on it, let it fester up and become this big issue, or are we going to just let it go? Okay? And that is a powerful, powerful piece. And sometimes it takes practice to learn how to let things go. But when you do and you start to get in the, the habit of it and you start letting things go easier and easier and easier, and it just really opens some amazing doors for you. Now, again, the common name is letting go, and the formal name is Yud Yud Lamed. And this piece is on my website, CompassionCodes.com, and it's under the media tab, the code connection, and I have a page under that that is called Insights and Messages, and it's there, uh, right there with my weekly code insight. Um, you can always go back and reflect on that throughout the week. I like to do that with messages because it's kind of fun to take the message and then work with it, really work with that thing for the week. Now, moving on a little aspect to get us moving into the direction we're headed with the show and, and to open up kind of the, just the thinking and the thoughts and what we're delving into today. What movies do you prefer to watch? And what is it about a movie that really captures you and draws you in? How have movies influenced your thoughts and feelings? The movies have been a big part of many generations and have held different meanings throughout those generations. And there is no doubt that they have really shifted in what they portray. In the early days of music, actors and actresses had to do everything. And I should say movies probably more than music, (laughs) but that should have been. They had to act. They had to sing. They had to dance. And oftentimes even do their own stuff. They were much more expressive with body language and facial gestures to 
capture the emotions, thoughts, and feelings of the characters. In the early days, there was a sense of it being more about entertainment and a way to release what was happening in people's lives. However, there was also a sense of being able to separate reality. After all, people didn't operate on that level of expression in day-to-day lives. They didn't sing and set up talk or dance around to get their point across to the person that they were talking with. As time went on, we saw a shift into in movies being more about what could really happen. There was less separation between real life and the movie life. And they focused more in everyday, on everyday people in high adventure situations. So they became more about the drama of life and showed more about perpetuating news than entertainment. And the song and dance appeared the artistic aspect stayed away. Um, you know, when those disappeared, the song and the dance and the entertainment part of it, then the artistic part also, in many ways, faded away. And what we were left with was other aspects that were full of violence, scary situations, and creating an inability to separate life from the movie. The characters became less heart-centered and loving and more robotic as time went on meaning even being robots. Characters shifted from love and connection to separation, chaotic, and full of neurotic tendencies and addiction. Now, I'm not saying that all are that way, but it is a shift that has taken place. I used to love going to the movies. In my younger years, there was nothing like a good horror movie and Disney in my childhood years and stories that portrayed of life's experiences and connections with other dimensions and with deeper concepts caught my attention. There were times as I matured that uh, a little bit homework held my attention. My parents were treated to the movie. It was a big deal for them and where you would go to be close to someone you liked in an appropriate way. It was a luxury to go to the Sunday matinee. These days, many are all about what is the next movie coming out. This business is all about competing to see if they can create a trailer strong enough to beat all previous records at the box office. The once dime or quarter movie where you could bring in your own snacks has become more expensive than some of the family vacations that I used to take. Add up the entrance fees and snacks, and it isn't hard for a family of four to pay $100 for a couple of hours of so-called entertainment which first requires the viewing of mega advertising, oftentimes trying to hook you into the next mega movie that you will just have to go watch. Over the years, as I started watching things from a more conscious perspective, it became very obvious to me that movies were not just movies. Like TV, they were full of hidden programming. And this has included everything from testing our reaction to possible outcomes preparing us for what the elite has already set in motion for us so that we will accept it easier when it happens, inducing fear so that we will turn over our power and political um, or other agendas are going on. What makes movies so alluring is often connected to our ability to relate to one of the characters in the story. Now, that could be the bully, the underdog, the desire to be more prominent in the world, 
Maybe it is the Cinderella type of character or any other numerous possibilities. The roles are elaborated versions of the roles that we already take on and play out in life, our thoughts and hopes. And maybe someday someone will rescue us. Maybe we need to be a stronger force in the world. Maybe we're not being heard. Maybe we don't fit in. And any other numerous profiles. Through the movie characters, in a way, we are playing out our own possibilities, opportunities, and choices. And we look to them to see how they handle things. However, I really want to encourage people to look within instead of without. Your inner self already knows how to resolve anything and everything that you are dealing with. Now, when I watch movies, although it is rare that I do, I watch with a different and more conscious perspective. I look to see what I'm connecting to and then check in with myself to understand why I am and what about that character, situation, or scenario I am relating to. I then take that information to help me grow. I also check in and see, am I choosing to accept the programming of victim patterns or other themes such as good versus evil or Am I creating my own outcome? I think it can be valuable to ask ourselves what we liked or didn't like about the the way a character did something or how they resolved something or dealt with something or approached something. It is valuable to see what their choices created for them. And if we make the same choice, are we accepting that same outcome or do we believe and or know that we can have a different, asking ourselves if we function and have life work the way that character does, or does our life function differently, and what would we need to do differently to create the same or different outcome? So while I'm not really pro all of the brainwashing and subliminal messages that are in movies, I do believe we can turn them into something good and make them learning experiences and grasp some good insights from them. Conscious viewing can create some great shifts. Allowing yourself to view with an open mind can even stimulate creativity or trigger ideas of how to make some things possible in your life. In other words, they can be a tool of reflection, and if we choose to make them this. The codes of movies show that in a singular form, saying that you need protection from superiors or those in high places. I say, seek that in the divine light and not from people. A movie is about implementing success and plans. And it is up to you whether that success for you is for you or if it's for those with hidden agendas. Now, in its plural form, the way it codes out, it is about warning us of disaster that is being brought about and what happens when we allow others to tell us what to do. It warns us to choose wisely and responsibly and to carefully consider the choices that we are making. It is a catalyst that tries to pull us out of our independence and to give up our own choices and power willingly by living through other people's opinions. So remember, reflect on what you are receiving, but always come back to a decision that is yours and that resonates well on a soul level for you. What movies have had an impact on you? 
What characters do you relate to the most? And what insights have you gained about yourself and or life from movies? This is a big topic today. We're going to delve into it. There's a lot to it. And these are important things. Like I said, for those that missed my show a couple of weeks ago about TV and the programming and the hidden agendas on that, (laughs) you might want to go back and catch that show because that show I actually shared how the programming comes in and how it happens with it. Um, Now, TV, what we know is there's a lot of subliminal messaging in there. When we get to movies, we actually have a different component that's playing out. And what I always like people to keep in mind is when we look at these hard intensity things that have these hidden agendas going on, you know, we don't want to shut our eyes and our ears and everything to them and say, la, 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 they're not happening, I'm going to ignore them. What we want to do is to be aware and then take them and use them in a way that we can turn things around and we can shift and we can change and we can empower the situation. Because as we're going to find out, movies have a lot to do with checking in to how we respond. And how we respond and what we do is the direction they're going to go. And I have some interesting pieces on this because just the other day I was having a conversation with somebody and they said, why don't you think we have movies that are all about utopia (laughs) and just life being beautiful and good and wonderful and incredible? And as we were talking, you know, we really deduced what, what is interesting is people are so used to drama in their lives that they don't know how to function in that. They're not programmed. They haven't been taught. They haven't learned how to function in a utopian society. And so this is why a lot of times, too, the drama keeps getting perpetuated, among other things. And we're going to be delving into all these really cool insights as we go on today. But always keep in mind, you can take this information. Don't take it as doom and gloom because it's not doom and gloom. It's about raising your awareness, watching consciously, and using it as a tool to understand yourself instead of becoming susceptible to any of the agendas that might be there. Now, the code energy for this week, and this is the little tidbit that gives us our focus for the week of of the flow of the code energy, is all about embracing the harvest. And this is a time for you to take command of your life, but remember to use your power wisely because this is a time where the pieces can really come together for you. Take the time to tap into your creative energy and see how many different perspectives you can find on something. Realize there are many sides to see things from. As you do this, you are able to step into your own personal soul power, which brings forth a fortunate future. And this is a time to focus on carrying out your own ideas and plans. Do what you know needs to be done instead of what others think or tell you that you should be doing. Okay? Do that check-in with yourself this week. Now, you can find that, again, where you can go back and reflect on it through the week under my media tab um, on my website, CompassionCoach.com. Just go to the media tab, post connection, and then insights and messages, and you'll find it right there. I'm going to take a short break, and when I return, I am going to be 
talking about, um, I'm not talking about walking the spiritual path this week. I'm talking about movies <laughs> and what some of the bigger pieces are behind movies and are they more than just entertainment. The song I have for you during our break is called I See You. It's by Claire Hedin. And if you'd like to find out more about Claire's work, you can certainly do so through her website at www.clairehedin.com. That's C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N.com. And we'll be back in just a few minutes. Welcome back. You are listening to The Code Connection, and I am Jesse on Nicole Short, 
And that song was called I See You. It's by Claire Hedin. And if you'd like to find out more about her work or her music, you can do so through her website, www.clairehedin.com. Greatly, greatly appreciative of her letting me use her music for the last four years <laughs> on the show. She was one of my very, very first guests, and I think my first musical guest, actually, on my show. So um, really exciting. She's a great person to get to know. If you're anywhere around the San Francisco Bay Area, um, you want to you know, definitely check out what she's got going on because she does some really cool events and, and work in there. So check that out and, hey, pick up some music while you're at it. <laughs> By the way, uh, we are today talking about movies. We're talking about what goes on in movies and we're talking about the agendas of movies. And, um, you know, we are opening some big doors here because a lot of times people go to the movies and they don't really think about it a whole lot. And, you know, as I mentioned um, earlier before we went on break, I was having a conversation with somebody about why we don't have more that is just, you know, sheerly utopian-based. And, you know, they've tried actually doing a couple of show series and things that that are based on that, and yet, uh, you know, it wasn't what sustained. Um, What was also interesting, though, was when I put the post out this week uh, that I was reading earlier about this area and about this topic is how many people wrote back to me and said, inspirational, that's my favorite movie. (laughs) So a little, I've had like both ends of the spectrum um, in this, but oftentimes what's interesting is movies that tend to be inspirational for people also tend to be filled with drama. And that's an interesting thing for us to think about in things because it is kind of a big theme that goes on when we when we look at movies and that's that triumph over adversity type of thing. Um, but there's there's oftentimes a lot more that is happening in that triumph over adversity. And um, you know when I look at those pieces of things in regards to movies, um, there can be so many more subtleties there. Um, you know, we see that in kind of some of the Cinderella stories and the fairy tale stories, and but even in other stories as well, some autobiographies, some true life stories, and things like that. Um, but it does automatically, interestingly enough, connect the piece that we need to have adversity in our life and that you won't excel, you won't strive, you won't find triumph unless you have adversity, which is not really true. It's definitely something that we've been programmed into, and it's definitely a big buzz around a lot of the spiritual um, worlds, if you want to say that, uh, as far as saying, okay, you've got to, you know, you've got to, Uh, have these challenges and these struggles in life and you've got to fight for this and you've got to do that um, in things. I I think the piece that is important for us to identify when we see these types of movies is to make sure we're canceling out that program that life has to be a struggle, but that is the only way that we're going to get some of these exciting spaces and places and things like that. 
And it's something that I was mentioning the other week. I think it was last week when I was talking about a spiritual life and where, um, you know, oftentimes people are, are create these different concepts of suffering or struggling or things like that. And, you know, in looking at these things, it really shook. It, it just shook into this whole journey thing. Now, the interesting piece about movies that we want to be careful of, though, in the midst of all of this is that, you know, it's interesting how different arenas take on different cultural groups or, or people. You know, the, the elite in politics kind of tend to be one grouping and the elite in the movie industry tends to be another grouping. And, you know, you have these different, these different dynamics, whereas, you know, we used to think it was all very artistic and things like that, but we, we overlook the amount of abuse that used to go on when people would get in the industry and that still goes on, whether that is an artist who is a singer or an actor or, you know, any other performer in there. And so many times we see where people are so wanting to be on stage and act for the world that they let go of integrity or they let go of principles along the way. Um, as I mentioned earlier on in the post, movies really used to be about entertainment and there was a lot more separation between what life was like and what you were seeing on the movie screen. So a lot of people could really make that separation. These days, you, you, we've shifted to such a reality-based society, whether that is in our television or whether that is in the movie arena. And this really opens up a new aspect that a lot of people um, then don't know where to draw the line. They can't tell the difference. This is where we've seen a lot more uh, of people going out and trying to enact things that they've seen in the movies and getting themselves in trouble, getting themselves hurt, getting themselves endangered. Um, it's also stimulated a lot of thoughts for people to try things. Uh, we, we know that kids don't have the same attention span <laughs> and they're constantly wanting to, you know, see if they can break this code or open that door or things like that. Now, one of the things that I've learned along the way about the movie industry and and I do have a little direct connection to this because many years ago, many years ago, <laughs> in my younger days, I was a model. I was connected to many people in the movie industry, people that were in the music industry as well. And, it, you know, it was quite common in many ways for me to say in college, go out to a party and go to a party that was in Hollywood that was full of actors and actresses and celebrities and people like that. And, you know, I've been to the parties for Fleetwood Mac and the Who. I've been on movie sets, not just as a tourist going through Universal Studios, but actually on the sets, actually um, had friends that were part of Panavision, who's a very big um, movie company for putting things together. Um, so I was in contact with a lot of people in the industry for quite a while. And I had a chance to see a lot of different things that went on, um, the, the mindset. And, and there was, here again, 
probably a huge spectrum of people from those people who really just wanted to act to those people who were willing to do anything to get a role in the movie industry. Um, there were a lot of people that were, you know, you saw them taken advantage of, they were told the story, and then they never got any roles or any parts and things. Um, I chose never to go really, really big <laughs> in anything. I had just a couple of background uh, parts along the way. I did a music video in the 80s, 1980s, um, that was kind of interesting. I was part of that for Walter Egan, um, connected with people while we were filming that. So uh, it, it's really kind of um, it's kind of interesting when you delve in that industry because it's like being in a whole world. The, the Hollywood mentality is a whole different world and realm. But one of the things I really learned in a lot of those processes was that the movie industry, again, shifted from this entertainment to the real life. And as it shifted to real life, the reason it made that shift was to start to test people as a mass, people as a collective, to see what their responses and their reactions are. There's two key purposes that we have in there. And one is to test out and say, okay, what's your response going to be to this horror scene? What's your response going to be to alien visitors? What's your response going to be to being locked up in prison camps? Uh, what's your response going to be to whatever it is? And these are perpetuated things in there. And then the other piece is an aspect of showing people what is going to happen in the world. So the elite like to come in and say, okay, here's what our plans are. Let's do a movie around this. What do you think about, and they sit around in these discussions, they literally sit around in these discussions like this going, hmm, you know, what do you think about if we had, you know, this alien visitor come down onto Earth? What do you think about if, you know, we we have the Russians come over into America and take over the land and, you know, these these country boys are, you know, surviving out in the hills someplace. Uh, what do you think about <laughs> this this concept of robots taking over the world? Okay. We are seeing a lot of these movies come to fruition. And how this works is it's a, it's a kind of cycle. It's a bouncing back and forth cycle. We've, it's, it's an aspect of kind of the elite saying, we've got a plan. Let's present it to you in a movie of how life is going to go down. Now, once we get that put to you in a movie, you're going to remember it because we're presenting it as entertainment to you. We're presenting it as something that's going to hold your attention and capture your attention. And then you're going to go away and you're going to keep thinking about this and keep thinking about this. And the more you think about this movie, this concept, this scenery that played out in there, the more you're going to help us create this because that is where your mind is going to be focused and we know the law of attraction, which means wherever your mind is focused is what is going to be created. 
So now we can sit back and let our plan unfold masterfully without really doing any effort because the masses are creating it for us. And in doing this, they are able to then separate the mind from the peaceful, loving aspects to a whole different realm of moving into the drama, the fear, the anxiety, the terror. Um, Sometimes we've got comedy movies, right? Uh, But a lot of it has gone to this other drama side of things. And even if we look back into the old movies, because I know my parents used to, to watch a lot, they would have some real-life challenges in them, but nothing was over-the-edge dramatic, really, uh, you know, unless you went back to something like The Blob, <laughs> okay? And The Blob isn't even out of realm these days. We actually have things that are similar to that, and they're growing, and, you know, they don't even know if they can control them at this point, starts off as a science experiment. There's another great movie that is implanting things, even way back then. Uh, You know, how about like a science experiment that goes awry and it starts eating people (laughs) all over the world and, and, you know, it just eats whatever is in its path kind of thing and it keeps growing and growing and growing. Well, this is a parallel for, for many of the viruses, the diseases that have been released. Uh, where they they will release something, whether it's anthrax or something like that, and then they come up and they have an antidote for you to get for it. And, you know, and in a way it's consuming because it gets spread on a very rapid rate, maybe not in the exact form of the blob, but it does get spread through um, that way. So these are things that we, we really want to pay attention to, not so much from you know, always what is the agenda because we don't want to let our minds wander down that path really too much about all of the hidden agendas, but being alert and saying, hmm, if this is the outcome they're trying to get a reaction to, they're trying to to trigger racial uh, conflict in this movie because it's always going to be this or that. Um, you know, it's going to be this race that's triggering the problem or any of that thing. You don't see all of this unity factor going on in there. So, um, you know, when that when that goes down, it's like we should be stopping and thinking and reprogramming ourselves going, okay, this movie is creating a division. You know, it's showing very specifically one race is doing this, the other race is doing that, this culture is doing that. Let's stop. What if we took and instead of doing that, we created unity? What if we came together instead? What if we got on the same side of the fence? Um, you know, what if we recognized other peaks? What could we create? And this is where you have power to make change, to not succumb to getting wrapped up in the fear and the emotions and the reactions that they're trying to trigger. And part of releasing what's the biggest thing at the box office is a twofold thing. One, how much money can we make off of you? <laughs> and we programmed you already that you have to come to the movie. You know, how good of a trailer did we create to get you into that theater where we can then show you, uh, you know, 
advertising and program you through that. <laughs> but, you know, then, you know, what, what can we do from there? And if we get a reaction from you in this movie, if we become the biggest buzz, that's where our real success is. So the box office isn't just about how profitable can we make this movie, even though that's a, a very, very big part of it. It's only one piece of it. Because the more profitable a movie is, the more likely people are talking about it, the more likely people are reacting to it and responding to it. And movies are showing them because it is, has become much more real life these days uh, in what they're doing. Uh, you know, movies are, are, are showing people, they're using that to show people what you need to be like, what you need to look like. Totally unrealistic. I mean, let's face it, how many, you know, women are out scouting through the jungle with full makeup <laughs> and clothes they can't move in? I can tell you, having worked for an adventure company, that doesn't happen. <laughs> I don't see anybody out there with fully done makeup, you know. Um, and you know, and it's it's bred this concept in in men that they have to be you know Arnold Schwarzenegger and full of muscles and you know and and women have to have this voluptuous body even when we see the animated things right like Roger Rabbit and she's got this voluptuous body that's there and so you know it's really a powerful um, piece for things to come through. And so we wanna we wanna think about some of these things a little bit and go, okay, really, really let's take a little bit more look at what is being portrayed in there. And we'll have some very common themes in things. Um, and and it's amazing, you know, it's amazing how much of these movie things do spill over into our life and how much we can even say, oh, that would never happen in real life, even under those conditions, how much that still carries through in our head. And so here again, it's about that big box office. How do we get as many people as possible focused on creating this outcome and, and going in that direction? You know, it's funny because I remember I was hanging out with a group of different people and we were going into this area where you couldn't see a lot. It was kind of dark. And somebody made a, a comment about, yeah, it's just like, you know, the horror movie or something like that. And we had people of different ethnicities in there. And, and the person that was African-American says, I want to be in the middle of everybody. <laughs> everybody kind of looks at them. They're like, what's that about? They go, because the black guy is always on the end or the beginning, and he's always the first one to get taken <laughs> in the horror movie. And um, but it's you know we can laugh at it. We all had a good laugh at it, and he was laughing at it. But there was a piece of him that was absolutely serious. He was he was absolutely serious about what he was saying in there, and. You could tell that underlying fear was still there for him, even though he thought intellectually it was completely ridiculous that underlying fear had been implanted in him. And 
you know, I hadn't, it was something I hadn't thought about until they brought it up. And I thought back and I thought, oh my goodness, isn't that an interesting piece? So this is one of those subliminal messages that says, here's the first person that's going to go in things. And, and why are they doing that? Because this perpetuates very old, old triggers. This perpetuates old compliance triggers. It, perpetu- it perpetuates slavery triggers in this. It perpetuates all kinds of things of who the elite is feeling is more acceptable. And this is not a good thing. Right there is a perfect example of how subliminally they are putting in for us to be racially biased. We watch these things, we don't even think about it. I didn't think about it until this person said something. And so as we start to become more conscious and we watch for a conscious aspect, we can see some of these things. Now, here again, we don't want to get wrapped up in that racial division. What are they doing with that? When they start to create those kinds of triggers and that separateness uh, that is there, that, that uh, how do we, you know, like weighing in of classes or things like that, it's all about creating that subliminal message that we are not one. And that's a lie, so it lies because we are one and we do come from these different existences and it doesn't matter the color of our skin or our belief systems or any of these things, we are one people and we have forgotten that unity along the way. So it's important to call these different things out um, along the way and that's not, you know, the only cultural thing. You know, of course, we have a lot of cultural stereotypes out there you know, how many times do you see an Asian person as a scientist, right? Or, you know, just all different types of, of pieces along the way that are cultural portrayals. And it doesn't mean that there may not be some level of truth somewhere or was at some point in time. Um, you know, on one hand, it can also teach us the values of different cultures of things, um, along the way of, of where they place this emphasis. You know, certainly we see in the Asian culture they place a high emphasis on education. We see in Hispanic cultures they played a huge emphasis on families and reproduction. Um, you know, we see a huge em- emphasis on survival of the fittest in African-American cultures. Um, so we see these different reality pieces, but then they take them and they distort them in these other directions. Now, if they get enough of these subliminal things that they think that you aren't going to catch along the way and in the process of this, then what happens, they can go out and perpetuate that in real life in the news and say, see see how this culture is doing this and see how these people are doing that and the people in this part of the country and and whatever it is, and and enhance that. And because you're watching these movies very consistently, you already have those subliminal triggers ready to go off when they then present it into a new story. And they do that setup. And by the way, don't believe the news. (laughs) 
not only is it coming off the TV set, but most of what we see in the world, and I'm not saying all of it, but most of what we see when they present these things are triggered by our own elite politicians, government, to manifest various control factors in there. Now, I'm not saying that every single movie out there has got some hidden agenda out there. You know, certainly we have a lot of different things that have been put out. Um, We are opening into times where we have more and more indie artists that are able to get their works out there, maybe not in a major box office sort of way, but that people are opening up to that more artistic thing. Certainly the Sundance Festival has gone on for years and years and years um, that honors more of the indie artists. But even in that, it's a whole competition atmosphere. It's a whole judgment atmosphere going on. You know, um, I know a lot of people like recognition for things, and yet we have been programmed, hey, you've got to go see the movies that are only getting the most attention. Well, that's like saying you you should only read the books that we present to you on the Today Show um, by the featured artist who, oh, by the way, paid us a few thousand dollars to do an interview and make them a bestseller. <laughs> you know, um, these types of things. When in reality, some of the most amazingly done things are these indie films that we hardly ever get to see. So if you've got, you know, I know a lot of towns have, created little indie theaters where that's what they focus on and that's what they show is the more indie-style films. And they can be really, really fun, you know, places to go to in that. But let's take also a little bit of a look at the codes. Um, The codes are some of the things that we have in the different types of movies and shed some light in from that perspective as well because when we look at things through the eyes codes, things can't necessarily hide there so easily (laughs) because the codes show us where the true energy patterns are that are going on. And um, so, you know, that's a a big piece in there. Now, if we start to just look at some of the basic things, we have movie and we have movies, plural. And I talked a little bit about that, about that when I when I read the preliminary things earlier. Well, when we look at movie as an individual piece, a singular form, it you know, really is a catalyst. The energy of it is a catalyst to say that you can't succeed on your own. You have to have others that will help you, and those have to be the so-called superiors, which AKA translates into elite. Um, you have to have protection from people that are in so-called high places, a.k.a. your government and things. Um, so it does promise the success, but it, it tells you, a movie tells you basically that you can't do it on your own. So automatically we have this programming just in what it's called that will tell us that uh, – here it is, here it is, you can do it, but you can't be independent. Well, they don't want you to be independent because they want you to be controlled (laughs) in things. Uh, The other piece when we look at movies, plural, 
ironically, is what it's saying is if you take in this information and you don't sort it out to your own personal truth in things and you just take what they are telling you through this movie, uh, you will get yourself in trouble. There will be disaster in this situation. And, uh, you know, it's, it's also movie as a plural codes out to grave warnings for the future. Hmm. <laughs> does that not reinforce things? Absolutely it does. So we have this piece that is saying you're helpless unless you have our protection and your future is not going to be very pretty. It's a big disaster scenario. Okay? So automatically, just in those terms alone, so the more movies we can get you to watch, the more you're going to trigger codes of disaster for yourself because we don't believe that you're independent enough to think for yourself. That's where you have to turn it around. You have to say, you know what, I am independent enough to think for myself, and I can see through what you're doing, and I don't believe this has to be the outcome, and I'm calling it out, and I'm going to change it. I'm going to make my life something different. So you have to do that. Now, again, when we look at a movie set and we take a look in that direction, what we have is we have uh, a combination of pieces because a movie set is designed to replicate life so that you can't tell the difference between real life and a fake life, okay? We see that, um, look at things like Psycho, the movie Psycho. You'd never know that that was just a set watching the movie. It looked like they were walking across all this land, right, and all these places and going all these places, you, you know, but yet, it wasn't even a full building. That movie set wasn't even a full building. It was like a front <laughs> to a building, which is what happens a lot of times. Or they're in a building, and it's just like papers and paintings and things like that. Um, you get a better perspective of what the movie set actually looks like when you go and see a play on stage. And that's what they're working with. But when they film it, it all looks real. So it's designed to replicate life. And the movie set, again, reinforces that, hey, hey, let me dangle the carrot of success in front of you, but you can't do it without me. It also, the, the, the piece of set added to movie also brings in suffering, mental anxiety, and victim energy pattern. So that brings in a whole interesting dynamic that we're going to make control, you can have success, but in order to have your success, you're going to suffer. You're going to go through a lot of mental anxiety. And if we look at actors and actresses, they really get thrown into this sacrificed victim pattern. Um, they have no privacy. They, their lives are controlled. They're told what to do. They're told how they're going to dress. They're told how they're going to be. Um, everything is turned over. They sacrifice everything, basically, to be in that. And, you know, there's, there's been old jokes in the past of selling your soul to do this. Well, it's almost there when we look at these codes and what is happening for people in this. Now, when it comes together as movie set, what we find is, again, it comes back to grave warnings for the future. It comes back to 
we're going to bank on the fact that you will take what we give you and perpetuate that energy and not think for yourself and not consider the path that you're taking as a path that you're on. So, that's, I mean, these are some big pieces that we have to, you know, we want to consider. So this is the energy foundation that they are working from. This is the vibrational foundation that they're working from. Um, so you can definitely see this is all set up for, for agenda energy. Now, we have a variety of different types of movies that tend to come into play, right? We have horror movies, we have drama movies, we have comedy, we have romance, we have life stories, we have um, animation movies, we have action movies. So we have a lot of different, if you want to call, you know, genres um, in there. And when we look at different things along the way, there's some interesting codes that go with these. If we look at, for example, horror movies, Horror movies actually operate on the pattern of lessons learned. Well, what happens in horror movies? When they present a horror movie to you, what we find is that either people end up learning their lesson one way or another, (laughs) right? They learn it because they die in the movie or they learn it because they get so scared that they turn around and they learn hey, that, maybe that wasn't a smart thing to be doing. Maybe we shouldn't have been in the old abandoned house 50 miles outside of town, <laughs> you know, taunting the, the, the ghost stories or whatever. Uh, and, you know, and, and let's look at that. Let's break that down into some of the themes and stuff that, that they deal with in that, okay? Here again, they're perpetuating fear, and people pay big money to get scared, isn't that ironic? Here people go around saying, oh, I just like a peaceful life, but they pay huge money to be scared, right? And that's because these different adrenaline rushes that happen in our body, it doesn't separate it off. Fear and love actually triggers the body very much the same way. So, you know, it, it, it's an interesting thing, which is part of why we get a rush off of that fear, off of that horror aspect in there. Uh, it's, it's an aspect of the unknown. Um, we have messages hidden in this that you can never tell what's going to come around, that there's a lot of evil in the world and there's, there's evil that's always trying to get to you. Um, it's perpetuating things that you are never safe, you're not safe no matter where you are or what you're doing. Um, it perpetuates the aspects and concepts that um, you are not invincible. It perpetuates the concepts that there's something out there that's constantly wanting to torture you and put you through horrible deaths and that is constantly watching and trying to get to you. And, And why this? You know, why this? Why? Why do they want that to become big? in today's society? Well, because it perpetuates the fear patterns. They bank on the aspects that maybe you won't learn the lessons along the way. You know, <laughs> they bank on the, on the fact that if you're operating under these fear responses and that you're connecting with fear, you will perpetuate reasons to be afraid. If you perpetuate reasons to be afraid, 
then they can come back and they can say, oh, look, that evil exists in our world. Look, somebody's out butchering somebody and somebody's, you know, out doing serial killings. And therefore, you know, Freddy Krueger is really alive, right? And we need to now protect you from that. So again, it's about this way of coming in and gaining control and taking hold of things. So we have to be very, very careful. And we need to make sure, again, that we're canceling out these thoughts because we need to, we need to make sure we're canceling out those thoughts as we leave and not letting them go on and on and on and on. If you're going to watch a movie like that, um, I really don't get into these movies anymore, <laughs> even though they were a big part of my younger years and it was just part of something I, I liked back then. Um, but I was a very different person as well. Uh, then we also have um, action movies, right? Action movies are really, really big in the world. Um, we see this everywhere from Rambo to, um, well, we even see it crossover into other genres, right? Romancing the Stone. We see it in um, things like Blade Runner and Die Hard and Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, these are all kind of more adventure movies that come around and um, or action movies that come around. So if we have this action component, what is that about? That, again, puts us into an adrenaline rush. If we go into an adrenaline rush, what is happening? We're happening on reaction instead of action. So, again, we step out of our base of power. We turn our power over and we become much more animalistic or reactive, and we become much more impulsive in things. If they can put us into that space, if the elite can get that message through to us, well, every time we walk into a store, they can sell us more. Every time they come through and say, hey, you've got to be this strong force in the world. Hey, don't you want to be like Rambo? Don't you want to be like this person? Don't you want to be like that character, right, and, and these adventure figures? So now they program that every male has to be this buff, muscular guy out there, um, you know. And in doing that, what we find is people will go to these huge extremes, right? They, they get the testosterone, the steroid stuff going. They get all these things going. And what do they become? They become a programmable killing machine, basically. They take the human dynamic out because people, they, they push that image that this is what you've got to be like. Um, people also look at that and they think, oh, maybe I should be out trying that or you know, I'm not going to be loved unless I look like this character or I can't get the girls unless I do this. So they, they uh, appeal to that. And in the action scenes, uh, you know, here again they're saying, you, you should be able to do these things. Look at what this character can do. You should be able to do these things. And it's about pushing beyond our limits. It's, it's again, it's about you're never going to be settled in life. And you're going to have to always fight for something. You're always going to have to be under this stress. And, and in many cases, you are going to be like a hunted animal because that's what happens in action movies a lot of times is it's somebody that's hunting somebody. Well, guess what? This is like the elite hunting the non-elite, 
basically. And they're bringing it into this aspect in a way that they think that you will accept it and take it and go, yeah, 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 action. Let's have some more action going on here. You know? And so in that, they trigger the warrior response. They trigger the conflict response. But more than the conflict response, what they're triggering is competition patterns in there. So you've got to compete. You've got to be better. You've got to be stronger. And when you step down this road of, okay, I'll take the steroids to become like this person and to become like that, we literally start losing our humanistic aspect. So we literally start losing the heart because those chemicals start taking over in our body and it makes us very robotic and very programmable. And when we become like that, we literally, and, and they're, they're, they're showing this, it's literally shifting the DNA to where everything is programmable exactly like a robot. And we've seen this, right? We've seen this actually in a lot of movies. They've used that theme as well, replacing humans with robots. And you can't tell the difference. But guess what? That's something else that they have in motion right now. You know, we, we saw this and um, trying to think there's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie um, where he did that and he was traveling around a little bit through some of the time spaces and and things like that and and bouncing on the timelines and things like that. But we also have things, uh, well, heck, we saw it back in the, what, the 70s and the 80s. We had the bionic man and we had the bionic woman and and then, you know, eventually we came out with Terminator movies and, um, you know, they had to, you know, it was machines. And look at how much better machines are. What they were, one of the big things they showed in movies like The Terminator and where they brought machines and equipment in is look at how much better the machines are than humans. And we don't need humans anymore. We just need machines because they obey us, they do what we want, basically. They control everything. And they also perpetuated a huge thing of, look, you should be afraid of machines and robots. You should live in fear of them because of what they will do to you. Um, huge, huge thing. And, and look, you should be in conflict and battle with robots and machinery and equipment. Well, you know, ironically, how many companies have, you know, disemployed people and gone strictly to machines? You know, ironically, you know, the theme is you are being replaced. And that is exactly what they have been putting in motion. And, you know, this is why they support a lot of things, and I'm not saying that there aren't people who don't, you know, there are definitely people who say get a limb or something like that that's mechanically based, and, you know, it's beneficial to them. But oftentimes these things are coming about. Why? Because they're, they're creating different accidents. They've been to war. They're creating these things so that they can shift and make people robots and give them mechanical parts. I know it's crazy. It's crazy when you start to put these pieces together. It's crazy when you actually see the layout of the patterns that have been happening along the way. And so, you know, as we do this, again, they have been preparing us and what's happening. We have more and more things. Now we have Amazon who you don't even need a postal carrier anymore, right? They just send their little robot. And we've been programmed that how cool robots are and how did we get to that 
when we started off with things like the Terminator? Well, that's because they brought in more of the ones that were, you know, more the E.T. type stories and, the, and you know, Star Wars where they had R2-D2 and things like that. And it was like, oh, look at the friendly little robot, right? And these types of things. So, you know, they had to bring in some pieces where you would fall in love with the electronics. You would fall in love with the robots so that you would accept them. Because if all they showed was the harsh side, you would never accept them, right? <laughs> you would never accept them as coming into to reality. So now we've got all kinds of patterns where they've got your mind thinking of, you know, lowering your self-worth, right? Because I'll never be as good as a robot. So automatically we set all these self-worth patterns into place. Um, we've got the competition patterns going into place. We've got the fear patterns going into place. So now you can see that they're starting to layer these different pieces of what's happening um, in the movie so that you're now no longer just saying, hey, I should fear this race or this culture. It's now an aspect of layering on where you have your mind in all of these negative spaces and all this lack of self-worth, which immobilizes you because when you get into those patterns, then what it does is it shifts your thoughts in a direction that says, okay, I'm not worthy of anything, so I'd better go to you and have you tell me what to do and what will make me worthy. And they know that people in this animalistic or this reactive state, um, instead of being responsive, being reactive, what they do is they will go and seek approval from someone else or from something else. And that perpetuates all kinds of addiction patterns that go on along the way. And that puts them back into control because people just keep turning over their power and their control, looking for that self-worth piece, looking for that comfort, looking for, you know, that little light of serenity somewhere in there. But through this, you know, they've been programming, look, the world is a rough place. The world is getting harsher. The world is getting scarier. And these things. So, again, we need to really cancel this out and come back, and when we come out of these movies, go, wow, I'm really glad that this is not my world. I'm really glad that robots are not a part of this. We need to make sure we're not reacting and creating all kinds of buzz about this, because what they do is they look for those posts on Twitter and Facebook and all over the place that says, oh, man, that robot was the coolest thing. Oh, this fear was the best thing. Oh, you know, that was a really scary scene. And they're looking for those responses to come through because then that's where they take them and they start implementing them in real life. So they take it and they go, ooh, this got a really big response. This scared people. This type of murder in a horror movie scared people. This type of action scene scared people. Oh, well, now let's have somebody go and bomb this building. Let's have somebody go and do this and we'll put it into real life. Let's put some of these kids in jeopardy, or let's put the airliner as being hijacked. And so we have all of those pieces going on. So it's, it, you know, it's one thing to talk about a movie, but if we're going to do this from a conscious level, we need to turn it around and 
and start to not give high reaction and and turn it around and say, you know, I'm really glad this is in our world. I'm really glad that this isn't the case. And, um, you know, what I picked up was this great value or I got this great insight about myself and now I can change that and become more independent. Now I can change that and think for myself and not take this road. And this will start leaving them in a space that they do not have power over us. This is where we start taking hold of our own ground and keeping our power instead of turning it over along the way in there. Um, you know, I remember many years ago when I was younger watching the movie Future World. And, you know, and we're not far off of Future World. You know, you think about it, how many people had to read or, and or watch 1984, right? How many had to watch that movie? Well, guess what? Big Brother is here, right? It was watching, it was all about the Big Brother concept, and it's here. It, it warned us exactly where we were headed. It, it showed us the agendas, but we looked at it and go, eh, it's a movie, you know, that's not going to happen. So many people just kind of were like, eh, yeah, you know, sure, but then they, they said it, they took it in, they took those thoughts and they thought, oh yeah, you know, this is the dynamic. There's always going to be somebody on top. There's always going to be a ruler. There's always going to be this or that. So when we look at some of these things, some of what they keep perpetuated in the world that pulls us away from our core truth, from our unity, our oneness with each other is conflict and competition. So we have the good versus evil. That's a really popular one, right? Because we can present that in a thousand different ways in a thousand different genres, <laughs> right? We can present that in an aspect of whether that's a comedy aspect, right? We see that in a lot of um, animation films, Disney films, where good versus evil that's in there. Um, that runs through most different things. And what they like to do in these things in these things is to convince people that as long as you're fighting for the good, that's okay, right? It's a good thing to fight. You're fighting for good things, you know. And all that does is perpetuate the pattern of fighting. It, you know, when we look at the principles of things, we don't have to fight for the good, <laughs> you know, but they perpetuate that thought is, You've got to fight for it. If you want this, you've got to fight for it. And it's not true. Um, you know, there, there is no battle. There is no good versus evil out there. You know, we had various concepts in ourselves that we, we view things that way. We judge things that way. And, you know, war is war is war. Competition is competition. Whether you call it competition for the Olympics or whether you call it you know, uh, a gladiator battle. <laughs> it's all the same thing. It's all competition. And so, you know, we, we have convinced in so many countries that you've got to fight for your freedom, you've got to fight for this. It's a lie. You know, it's a lie. And, you know, look at this evil that's out in the world. Now you've got to go to battle. So that's a really big competition or a big... Uh, theme that's used because that keeps us engaged in this conflict. And as long as we 
are engaged in this good versus evil concept as long as we are engaged in this competition and conflict concept, um, we can't get back to unity. We can't find that unity because we're too busy fighting ourselves. We're too busy fighting other people. We're too busy in separation and division with that. Uh, We have, as I was talking about, the concept that machines are superior and machines will rule the earth and they will wipe out human beings. Oh, my goodness. It's up to us. It doesn't have to be the case. But how are we perpetuating this? We are perpetuating this because we continue to be addicted to our technology. Instead of getting out into nature, we sit down at the computer. And so instead of doing things ourselves because we think it takes so much time, well, what, what happens? You know, there used to be actually some relief in doing things by hand. There, there actually used to be a connection factor that would happen by doing a lot of things by hand. Well, once we let robots do that for us, we buy into a couple of different things. Is um, One, it feeds our sense that we are superior, which is a false sense of superiority, right? Because we're too good to do this, so we'll get a machine to do it for us. Um, it feeds, again, the inadequacy patterns, ironically, at the same time, um, that a machine can do it better for us. It feeds the um, concepts of... Um, Oh, I had it right there on my tongue. <laughs> it, it also feeds the concept that we don't have enough time anymore. And why don't we have enough time? Because we've been pushed to feed all of our addictions and to support what the elite wants to see, to support this concept that we have to work for more and more and more and we have to have more and more and more material things. Therefore, now we need machines to do things so that we can keep up with this pace. Well, you know what? We're just spinning faster and faster and faster, and you're never going to be able to keep up with this pace. And it's never truly, when we get down to the truth, it's not about keeping up with some pace in the world. And this feeds the no matter how much you have, it's never going to be enough. So, of course, machines can take over in that sense. And as I talked about, you know, the, the transference into more robotic things, and this is happening um, you know, not just by putting mechanical parts to people, but also in the aspects of the programming. The more we allow the programming to happen, be it from television, from transmissions of different signals or things like that, the more robotic we become in our responses. I've literally seen it when I have been in stores, and I have seen people just glazed over. They aren't even there. They don't see other people. They don't have a clue what they're doing. And, um, it, and, and they're just, they're blank. They're completely blank. There's no expression. There's no nothing there. And they'll grab things and they're just like, okay, I guess I'll get this. I guess I'll get this. I guess. They don't even want it. They don't need it. They don't care about it. Uh, it means nothing to them, but they are just programmed that they're going to spend and they're going to get something. Um, so, so we want to be careful about this. That's a big one there. 
Um, we have another big theme that's run through movies, as I was mentioning about the horror movies, is that evil is all around us, and we have a lot to fear. And, and you can't trust that nice old lady that's down the street and, oh, and that guy that seems like he's so kind and passive and gentle, you know, oh, by the way, he's a serial killer. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, and, you know, and take something like um, Silence of the Lambs. We're actually going to engage killers to help us fight crime. You know, um, these different things, we're engaging evil. Uh, we're working with evil, and that tells you us, the government, are working with evil. Us, the elite, are working with evil, and so they they perpetuate those concepts. They perpetuate those patterns in there, and so this theme is one that really allows them to step in. This is like a brainwashing technique that breaks down your whole sense of self, and then opens the doors up so that they can come in and say, well, now we'll take care of you. Now you need to turn all of your decisions over to us. You need to turn all of your money over to us. You need to turn all of your kids over to us. You need to turn everything over to us, and we'll just make all of your decisions for you because everything out there is evil and you can't function anymore because you're in such a deep level of of fear. And this theme is perpetuated through several different aspects you know, again, whether it is a drama thing of look at all the criminals that are on the street or whether it is a Freddy Krueger thing that's more metaphysical, um, you know, and you can't see what the evil actually is or whether it is, um, you know, some of these, these bigger concepts of the people who are crazy or, you know, or, or cult types of things and, you know, you never know who your next door neighbor is or who that guy is that you're going on a date with and guess what, you're probably not going to come out alive or, you know, it perpetuates all of this um, in this pattern. And so this big aspect that fear is all around you then places people to be living in this paranoid, panic, anxiety state. And why does that benefit them? Well, if you listened to my show a couple of weeks ago, you learned about how they work through the central nervous system to create the program. Well, if you're under a strong state of anxiety and you're living under that state and you're living under a lot of fear, what does it do? It breaks down the nervous system, which means it breaks down your divine transmission. And we see that a lot of times, right? When people go through high levels of anxiety and living in fear, what happens? Their hair starts to fall out, skin and nails and things like that start to fall out. Guess what? Your hair, and this, this is one of the things we were learning um, a couple of years back when I had um, Laota Russell on, who is a hair healer. And that's actually what transmits. That's our divine, like our divine antenna, you know, to, to connect us with divine energy that we don't tend to see. So if they break down the nervous system in the body, then all of this connection to the divine breaks down. And it literally breaks down our ability to transmit. It literally breaks down everything and then, again, places us in a highly programmable state, a very vulnerable state, a victim-type position or on victim patterns where we need to be taken care of because we can't tend to function anymore on our own. 
in those states. So we really want to be careful of these anxiety-driven concepts that are underlying things um, in there, right? And, and we've seen this in so many different types of movies, even in the ones that are supposed to be gentle, right, and loving and caring, you know, your Hallmark movies or your Disney movies. There's still this anxiety of, you know, this mean bully out there or there's this anxiety that evil is following them or, you know, or that, um, you know, the, the old ex is going to come back, you know, or, you, you know, you've got to be in competition or things like this. So we got to be very, very careful. Again, if we're watching movies, we want to make sure we're canceling out these types of programming on this. Another big thing that we see throughout movies, and we see this a lot in the Hallmark movies, the ones that seem so gentle and so easy, right, is the rich control everything. Big, big thing there. The rich control everything. So if you're poor, you don't have a say, you don't have a voice, you don't have a choice. The rich control everything. So that means you either have to become like us, which is to disconnect, sell your soul, and... <laughs> and be brutal and be the bully and all of that, you can't have anything in the world. What a big pile of lies there is there. Because this is one of the big distortions where we see the big mirror effect that what seems so great is not so great. And if only the poor knew how rich they were and the rich knew how poor they were, <laughs> what a different world we would have in hand. And we have to keep in mind they, they don't, but they perpetually put this into movies. The rich control everything. They buy everything. They pay everybody off. Well, guess what? Yeah, they are doing that in a lot of cases. However, they don't really truly control everything. They only control as long as we're willing to be controlled. And that means each one of us that steps up, thinks for ourselves, uses our own mind, breaks that control pattern. And we have to realize there are a very, very small percentage of the people, very small percentage of people out there. And it takes us unifying, and they bank on us not unifying. They bank on keeping us in these hatred and this judgment and things like that so that we won't unify. They bank on breaking down our nervous system so that we struggle and we don't have the energy to fight or to, um, I don't even want to say fight because we don't want to fight, but we don't have the energy to keep that connection going that keeps us in the loving energy and that makes us literally forget what loving energy is about. Um, we also see oftentimes tied in with the rich controlling everything, the, the theme of you must feel and you must lose integrity. And, it, you know, perfect example, what about what about the movie Robin Hood that was put out there, right? You've got to steal from the rich because they're the only ones that have it. And you've got to give it to the poor. But even in doing the so-called good deed, guess what? We won as the rich and the elite because you stole. You did something wrong. You became one of us. You lost integrity. Even though you were giving things to the poor, does it make it right that you were giving it to the poor? Stealing is stealing is stealing is stealing. It doesn't matter whether you stole it to give it to the poor. It also shows, guess what? We, the rich, are not willing to just give it out. We're not going to help the poor. Now, we do see some 
companies out there that set up things that create that illusion that they are helping the poor in different things. Uh, but why are they doing that? They get tax write-offs. They set up nonprofit organizations so they don't have to pay taxes on those things. It's, it's a self-serving purpose. <laughs> it's not a genuine, hey, let's go out and help the poor and balance the system out thing. So we want to pay attention to that concept because, no, we don't have to steal. We don't have to lose integrity. We can help the poor. We can do things. We can come together and help each other, and we don't have to steal and give up our soul to do it in the process. Another big theme that we see in the Cluston movie is the theme of revenge. Okay? And this kind of goes hand in hand with another aspect of affairs. You can't have a true love because your partner's always off having an affair. You can't trust them. That's a huge one, right? Because it breaks down our trust and Everybody, it breaks down our trust with everyone. And every time we get into love, it's like, oh, let's dangle the carrot of love and have all the butterflies. And, oh, guess what? You know, he, she's cheating and you're not the only one. And that goes back to feeding you're not good enough to hold that person type of concept. Um, so affairs are a great way to break down the self-worth when we show that in movies. You know, again, another aspect. And it's also showing, again, their lifestyle or perpetuating reptilian agenda type of um, concepts in there that, you know, it should just be an all free-for-all big affair out there and you should have no devotion to one person, (laughs) you know. Well, why is that? Because if you have devotion to one person, you hold independence, you hold strength, you hold personal power, and you're not controlled by addictions. You're not being ruled by addictions. And that's another thing. Affair goes right over into that addictive pattern. It's one form of addiction, which we also see a lot in movie themes, that somebody's got an addiction. They've got an addiction to killing. They've got an addiction to sex. They've got an addiction to drugs. They've got an addiction to power. They've got an addiction to something. And what they're driving home with that is that you are addicted to things. You will be addicted to things. And you can't walk away from your addictions. You can't control your addictions. And we are going to get you hooked into some addiction that you can't walk away from. Um, so, you know, lots of tangled concepts that we go into. And then, of course, we have the revenge concept, as I touched on, right? You hit that breaking point, you're going to take revenge. <laughs> you know, you're going to come back at this person, and that's the way to level the playing field, even the scoreboard type of thing. And you know what? There is no scoreboard to even because when we're standing in light and we're standing in love, there is nothing to even. There is no revenge to be taken. We don't have a drive to go take revenge on other people because we realize that their action alone creates enough suffering and we don't need to step into their suffering. It's very important to grab that concept. We do not need to step into their suffering. We do not need to take revenge and things, but a lot of movies are based around that, and of course, revenge perpetuates the fear pattern in things. Oh, I better mind my P's and Q's, and I better follow whatever the system says, otherwise somebody's going to take revenge on me, and they're going to hurt me, they're going to hurt my family, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. 
And so there's, you know, revenge is a form of programming us to compliance, compliance of agenda. Um, another big thing we see is conflict and perpetuating the concept that everything is a competition, everything is about winning, everything is about being better than somebody else. Why do you do this? Why? Because it keeps your focus on outward, it keeps your focus on other people, it keeps you living by other people's perceptions instead of just being you and being happy. There is no competition. Guess what? There's no competition. We're all unique. We all have different gifts. We all have valuable assets. There is no competition. We can't compete because we're all one and we're all unique at the same time. And everything is not a competition, but that's the world that they live in. That's the world that they know. And if they put you in that space, they put you in conflict. If they put you in conflict, you forget more and more about the love in the world. You forget more and more about divine peace and divine energy and divine connection. And you're true. If you're competing, you're not looking within. You're not standing in your own power because you're too busy worried about what everybody else thinks and what everybody else is achieving. It doesn't matter. We're all different. We're all, you know, we're all offering up the best we can do on any given day, given the knowledge, the background, the experiences, and everything that we have. Another big thing that we see is you're being watched. You know, oftentimes they'll show this in horror movies, right? There's the guy that's flying from the apartment across the way. Um, you know, there's been hidden cameras placed in the in the house or things like that. Um, and this is teaching us, you know, oftentimes how to be. This is what they're they're talking about, and that you have no privacy, that everything you do is being watched. Well, guess what? We're pretty much already there. If your computers turn on and your camera isn't covered up, they're watching you. Um, they can watch you through um, cordless phones. That technology is there. It's already there. That is being projected as some psycho in the movies that's doing that. But in reality, what they're telling you is, hey, we're watching you. Look at all this cool technology that we have that you don't know is even in existence. Look at all this cool technology that we're using to pay attention to what you're doing. And that, again, it perpetuates the fear, the stress, the anxiety. It breaks down the nervous system. It goes right back through that whole pattern of things. So you can see how these different things are. And if you really pay attention to movies, you will see how the, the themes and the storyline are telling you how the elite are planning to control the earth, how they're scoping for a reaction, and how they're creating fear how they're creating depression, they're trying to break trust, get you to lose hope in things, how you need to, to how you, they want you to believe that you need the rich and that money is everything in this world, which it is not. Um, you know, oftentimes, too, in movies, we see them feeding different political platforms now. That's become a huge issue that's, or a huge thing that they've been implementing you know, whether it's gay rights or gun control or different things like this. And 
through this, they're basically telling you what they want you to say and do and be like and how you, they want you to function in this world. And it's up to you to stand up and say, no, we're not going to have a Terminator world. No, we're not going to go into Red Dawn. Red Dawn is one of the big um, movie themes that is trying to be implemented today, uh, putting people in these high kind of concentration, modern-day concentration camp aspects. Um, Jaws was one that was about, look, you can't even trust nature. Nature's going to come after you. We've had a lot of things like that. Don't go to nature, right, because it's dangerous. Um, all these different aspects, even something as lighthearted as you might think with Back to the Future, it's showing you how they're jumping timelines. They're jumping timelines and changing things in history. They're changing history. They've been doing these forever. Well, not forever, but they've been doing them a really long time. They've had a lot of experience with this. Um, even things like It's a Wonderful Life, and we, we oftentimes just fell in love with that movie and look at how people came together and gave him the money, but it was still based all around money and how the bank owned him and the banks being the elite. So when you are watching things, I really, really encourage you to watch consciously. Don't just take in what it's saying, but take it back and say, okay, I'm not going to get wrapped up in where they want me to go. I'm not going to get wrapped up in all these crazy themes that are being presented. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take this from a conscious aspect and say, what part of this movie really triggered me? What part of this movie stimulated a response and why did it stimulate a response? Do I really fear this happening? Do I um, relate to this character in the movie somehow? Do I feel like there's all these people coming after me all the time? What is it that I'm connecting to and why? And when you start to move into this conscious aspect and you look at it and say, you know what? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I saw that because that is not what I want to create in this world. That is not what I want to see happen in this world. So that reminds me that I need to take care of myself. I need to take care of my health. I need to make sure I'm checking within and that I'm, stepping away from everybody before I make my decisions. And I, I look at all the different sides and I make my own decisions. And I, I process my own thoughts. Sure, I can go to other people and get their ideas and learn what their thoughts are and see what they've learned and, and, and do that. But I need to ultimately make my own decisions. And to step back and say, how much of my power am I turning over? How much... Am I living in the fear of these concepts becoming a reality? And what can I do to change this? And so many times we feel powerless to make the change, and we are not powerless. We are very, very powerful to make the changes. And it starts simply by being the light, because when you choose to be the light, you trigger sparks of memory in everybody else around you of that divine connection, of unity, of love, and you remind them of love. And you are affecting a lot more people than you realize. 
and sometimes things go silent and you don't hear about them for a long time and then all of a sudden somebody surfaces and it's like, oh my gosh, there's the light and they still remember it. So it's very important for us to look at these different things and to to understand these, not from a fear-based space, but from a space of, now how do I want to change that? How do I want to be so that that is not part of my world? Because as we know, when we focus on that loving energy, when we focus on being in that light, our world becomes full of light and beautiful and blessed experiences. And that doesn't mean that they're not adventurous on some level. It doesn't mean that we don't break through things. But it does mean that we receive an awful lot of blessings. And it does mean that we realize we aren't suffering. And it does mean that we connect with our true soul. So I hope you take that away from us, from the show. And I hope that you, moving forward, when you go to the movies, if you choose to watch a movie, enjoy it, but watch it consciously and do the reflective work afterwards and don't just take in the programming side of things. So really, really powerful. I hope this information has been useful for you, helped connect some of the dots of how these things come about and how these things have gone from movies to reality and, and what some of those inner workings are behind it. Next week on the show, I'm going to have Dr. Linda Gadbois. That's right. We're going to try a third time (laughs) having her on the show because, as we know, the first two times we've had challengers um, uh, with her coming on the show, and she's been there, and she's been ready to share this amazing information, and I've had technical difficulties both times. And so we are going to try a third time. That's going to be next week. And she's going to be talking about some really cool, interesting stuff because those of you that know Linda, she blends our everyday life with and explains them, these, these big science concepts. She, she takes the practical side of it. She knows the science side. She knows the spiritual side. And she knows how to bring that into the everyday language in your everyday life. And she's going to be talking about controlling your emotional state and fully embracing your creative power and how perfect is it that she's going to be talking about that after we've been talking about these agendas and movies. So you're going to be able to control those emotional states and not get swayed by things. Don't forget that you can pick up the international bestseller that I'm a collaborator on, Embraced by the Divine, the Emerging Women's Gateway to Power, Passion, and Purpose through their website, embracedbythedivine.com. You can also check out all of my work from codes to monthly video tips, archive shows, interviews, Um, that other people have done on me, all these different things, uh, on my website, CompassionCodes.com. And don't forget, we've got a variety of shows here on Main Street Universe. We have Tuesdays, we have Susan Reed, who's sharing her work in herbs and natural plants. Wednesday nights, Daniel and Janice, they're doing our flagship show. They do all different types of things, from readings to guests. Oh, they have everything on there. (laughs) It's kind of cool. It's an eclectic blend of things. Janice periodically does her own show in Reflections and Rhythms. Darren Bucare is calling in once a month from Madame Laveau in New Orleans. Kevin Baird has popped into the network here and there. We've got several other people that are popping in here and there um, on the network. And, of course, all of this is free, and all of this is just to help open up some insights for people. No promotional backing on these shows whatsoever. This is Jesse on Nichols, George, and I'm really glad that you joined me here today, and I want to say thanks to all of our listeners, not only on 
Block Talk Radio, those that are streaming live on 10, known as Prayer Encounters Network, Streamfinder and Talk Stream Live, and those that are catching our podcast at iTunes, TuneIn.com, which are found through the Main Street Universe listing, by the way, and those that are catching the YouTube version of the show through my YouTube channel. Don't forget that if you've enjoyed the show today, share it with others. It's going to be available at the same link in our archives. And I'm going to leave you with the song Yearning For, which is also known as Over and Over. It's by Shumshai. Thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on The Code Connection. May you enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a truly, truly amazing week, weekend, and all the way through. And I'm going to have that song up for you in just a minute. <laughs> and don't forget, Shemshai, you can connect with them through either Facebook or on the website, www.shemshai.com. Take care, everybody. Have a great week, and we'll see you later. And if I could see what makes me blind, I would soar to the edge of my mind. And to touch what seems unreal, just to show you the way that I feel. We are in time with time One with season of change inside And we are in tune with the tune Caught in a balance of sun and moon Oh, deep inside the light within Shining Show you it's here to begin When all I have is all I need I will soar to the edge of eternity And we see it eye to eye One within love to be for the divine And we're walking hand in hand Caught in the balance of God and
Your spirit, your heart still yearning for over and over. 